I'm new. <laughs> Yo, I never get this right. I kid you not, no matter how many times I try to do this right, I never fucking do it right, ever. Well, I mean, um, I, well, as you know, Patrick's been really busy with his new uh, career choice, and initially podcasting was his hobby, um, and then it became our hobby, uh, but he took care of everything, so I was just like, oh, he's taking care of everything, it's fine, but but now he's not really home much anymore, so I'm, I'm in the process of learning the producing and everything like that, but... Um, yeah, I'm a little slow, so. <laughs> oh, 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 trust me. I was recording with somebody last week, and literally I'm sitting there going, what am I doing wrong? What the F is this? And it's like, oh, you have to allow them to use their audio. Okay, that's what it is. <laughs> and yeah, then I, it's, 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 it's all like, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a learning process, to say the least. Call me old man waves. Damn you, old man! Wade. And welcome to the Old Man Wade Show. I am your host, the God of Stubborn, the Lord of Laughter, Old Man Wade. And the Superior Superwoke hobby is actually away right now. He's actually at work saving the world. Um, so he's not going to be here right now. He hasn't been on the show for a bit, but even if he never does a show ever again, it will always be the Old Man Wade Show featuring Superwoke hobby. I just wanted to get that out the way just because it was something I was thinking about and I wanted to make sure that the world knew. He'll be on the show again. But he's got some uh, personal stuff going on. It's exciting personal stuff that I won't announce. I'll wait for him to announce it himself. But I have somebody on it who's been on the show, I think, twice. We've recorded two episodes in one day. Uh, her husband is out doing fantastic things that make me very happy every time I think about it. But I'm lucky enough to have the... Oh, I was almost called to the Marlon Brando of Merle. <laughs> The Michael Phelps of Merlot, Mrs. Ashes Von Nightmare. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastically well. The Marlon Brando of Merlot. The Marlon Brando of Merlot. You know, he's actually one of those actors who I'm surprised doesn't have some sort of liquor attached to his name. Huh. You know, like he, I don't, I don't believe he ever, you know, sometimes actors kind of, uh, it's like a side project, you know, George Clooney has done it, uh, Ryan Reynolds, um, uh, uh, Francis Hugh Jackman Coppola has his own, vin, you know, vineyard, um, you know, it's like a side project they get into, they get into the liqueurs, the liqueurs. and, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that Marlon Brando is not one of those actors who ever, you know, branched out and got into, into the libations or, you know, has a, has a, has a drink named after him or something like that. Uh, I had to do a quick Google. He actually does not have a any alcohol. I'm actually really shocked by that. What, now, here's the thing. Would you go with the island of Dr. Um, Merlot? <laughs> no, mm -hmm. nothing. Okay. Or would he go with something like a whiskey, like a, like a Godfather whiskey? Um, oh, what the hell was his name in The Godfather? I've actually never seen that movie. Yes, I know how horrible that is. Neither have I. <laughs> Neither am I. Uh, that's something that I've been meaning to. It's something I've been meaning to rectify because I actually do really like mob movies. But um, I don't know. Probably, you know what? Probably a, a, a whiskey or, or something. Um, 
I'm trying to think like something Italian, maybe like a maybe like an Italian red. Yeah. You know, he's gonna he's gonna make you uh, he's gonna make you a Tuscan, you know, a super Tuscan you can't refuse or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. You can edit that out. No, 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 no. That's a title. <laughs> that's a- that was worse. That was that was worse than my Merlot Brando. <laughs> See, at least yours rhymes. It's catchy. It's fun. No, no, no. A Tuscan you can't re- refuse is absolutely perfect. And that, unless you say something even better than that, that's the title of the episode right there. <laughs> you you got an X amount of time to make that happen. Until then, that's what we're doing. Oh, now I gotta outdo myself. Well, I see you have your drink in hand. I have my, um, as what I called my uh, podcast spinach. I'm actually going to uh, stop. I've actually been slowly starting to stop drinking, so I'm probably not going to drink again until Saturday when I have some friends over to record. But until then, I'm cutting back on the libations just because I do have a demon in my family, and and since I haven't been working for a while, um, I don't want to start getting into the habit of drinking like just because I'm off and alone with my thoughts. So. Mm, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's honestly very mature and very responsible of you to to recognize that and to take those steps because not everybody does that. You know what's funny is I had a um, I had an epiphany last week or earlier this week I should say sitting at home no it was, whenever it was it don't matter when it was I was sitting at home and I really wanted to drink but I couldn't figure out why it's like I literally had nothing to do um, there were no projects pending. There was no recording that needed to be done. There's nothing. I had just the day to myself. And I was like, you know what? I want to drink, which is fine. But, like, you know, you know, one beer and I could be done. Found myself found myself drinking, like, four or five of them within an hour. I was like, why the fuck am I drinking like this? And it was a realization that, like, I just didn't want to be alone with my thoughts. It wasn't even, like, a bad, like, bad thoughts. I just didn't want to be alone with them. And, like, um, Valkyrie was out doing clinical. I was just home. And I was like... I was like, fuck. So that's the reason why I'm drinking like that, because I just don't like being alone with my thoughts. And I was like, okay, we've nailed down one of the problems. We'll see what um what happens next when I um, go to therapy and talk to my therapist about that. You know, that's the reason why I, I, I stick to wine, is because I used to have an issue with, with alcohol and pretty much the same situation that you're describing. And I can uh, I can control myself better with wine yeah. i know what my limit is with wine and you know I've, I've grown to really just love and appreciate you know what wine is and the wine process and yeah. you know but i think it's uh i think it's really I'm, I'm proud of you for recognizing that it was becoming a pattern uh, and to putting an end to it and to kind of you know nipping it in the bud so to speak before it became a bigger issue i also have to and you know me i'll always throw a lot of um my positive attributes to my wife because specifically like she always like says like are you okay you've been drinking a lot lately do you need to drink why are you drinking so she asks these questions without coming off condescending or judgy because like she wants to make sure that like i don't end up like my mother who has like sponge brain essentially and so it's it's a positive thing. It's like I don't really drink. We had on like last night we went out and had a good night and we drank a little bit, but it was like kind of like an impromptu night out. Mm-hmm. And we drank and like we didn't get shit faced and we came home and we you know we continued the, the the celebration. But honestly, it was more fun. It's become more fun drinking with people than just drinking by myself, because like while I'm drinking, like I only really have. 
it's not, it's not as fun, like, you know what I mean, when you just kind of, for me, it's not that fun, because it's one thing when I'm at a bar, and I'm kind of like, by myself, and I'm kind of like people watching, I can converse with the bartenders, or the bouncers, but just kind of sitting and drinking while I'm like, just watching TV, it just, it doesn't really have that same effect that it once did. I actually haven't been drunk since 2019. You know, oh, before the pandemic. Well, when you were over, when you and when you and Patsy came over here. Actually, actually, yes, that was really? the last time. Yes, yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I'm more of a social drinker than anything else. Um, you know, I recognize my limits when I'm home, uh, and sometimes I get a little too carried away when I'm out. You know, having when you're having fun. Yes. And you're in the moment. And you're with fabulous company. It's just so easy to just kind of forget and forget your limits and forget, you know, you just kind of become really vulnerable and, and that's what happens. But also I've gotten to the point where, um, you know, I'm, I am, uh, I am, I am older now <laughs> and uh, I do not recover as quickly or as smoothly as I once did. And I'm just so fucking busy. I don't have time to be hungover. Yeah. I remember the, that's another thing, like, recovering from a hangover just isn't what it used to be. Like, I used to be able to drink, eat a peanut butter sandwich before I went to bed, and then no hangover. Now, it's like, I was like, one right? like, like, a bottle of water, a couple of Tylenol, and you're good to go. Yeah. Now, it's just like, ugh. Now, I'm sitting there with my CPAP machine, I'm breathing in alcohol breath the entire <laughs> night. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's not cute. It's just not cute anymore. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I'm done. But, like, I'm... I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably have this four pack, and which Marie always reminds me is the it's seven point eight per volume, alcohol per volume. And I'm gonna try not to drink it all, and because she reminds me, goes, "Are you drinking the equivalent of a twelve pack of Bud Light, even though it's only four, because they're tall boys, and you know?" But I'm working on it, and it's funny. She sent me this Alanis Morissette song, which I've come to like love, because I'm a, I'm a, as Maria, excuse me, as my wife always says, I'm a twelve year old emo, fourteen year old girl, and I love <laughs> emo music. And like she'll always play like Alanis Morissette, and she sent me the uh, the reasons why the the reasons I drink song, and I was like, oh, I mm-hmm. I understand this so fucking much. Yeah. And it wasn't even yeah. that. And then realizing that even my eating became a substitute for my drinking. So like I'll get Uber Eats if I'm sitting by myself because it's like I'm home by myself and I have nothing else better to do, so I'll eat. It's not like I'm drinking, and it says I'm just picking. And again, Valkyrie pointed this out. It's like I'm just. Um, choosing, switching one vice for another, and it's still the same kind. Of, it's the so, same kind of vibe and the sugars that you're getting yep. from the alcohol. And I didn't even notice it until she pointed it out. And like when I'm angry, I eat or I drink. Um, and I was me, when I don't eat, I don't drink as much when I'm angry anymore, especially because like you know like, well I'll drink wine if I'm angry because it's, it's a happy alcohol. But I don't, I can't drink vodka period because it makes me angry. But I. Beer and anger mm, doesn't really have that same kind of like it's it it's a negative effect for me. So I've been learning a little bit more about myself since I stopped drinking in January. I stopped drinking all of January and into some of February. Um, so I've slowed down since, but just like learning about myself and why I drink and like just the the other urges that have come when I'm not drinking. So it's this these are just things that I think about. I have been thinking about recently. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I've been uh, back when the pandemic first started and we were kind of all quarantined and life came to a, a really just abrupt stop. 
Um, I too, yeah, I, I found myself drinking a little too much, you know, buying wine by the box. I was eating way too much and, and you just kind of realize. And then, you know, you're thinking, oh, this is only going to last for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. So it's yeah. not a big deal. Well, then two years into it, you're like, oh, shit, this has become a habit and I kind of need to do something. I recently went to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, so uh, you gained some weight. And I'm like, well, I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, We've kind of been through this pandemic. <laughs> yeah, years exactly. We're kind of shut down, and, you know, I haven't been as active as I used to, and I, you know, didn't go to the gym at all and all of this stuff. You know, I mean, which really all boils down to a bunch of excuses, but, you know, I mean, life can sometimes actually do that. Life can be an excuse. Uh, but, no, I, 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 I commiserate with you. I empathize with you. I feel you. I'm, I'm going through that right now, too, trying to make a complete lifestyle change, you know, where things haven't quite gotten back to the point of, of – I hate the word normal, so I'm going to use the, the air quotes, the air bunnies, if you will, yeah. I, until life gets back to, like, true normal, yeah. you know, trying to trying to adapt and trying to find something that works. Yeah, seeing people without masks is recently, is, um, it's weird to me. Like, I, it was funny, like, even in some of my dreams, I'm like, why is this person not wearing a mask? And then, like, I'm like, wait, I'm dreaming. Like, I'm clearly flying right now, so there's no reason for me to think this is, like, the real world. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot there, and I have a, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about the way that uh, everything is progressing in the world right now. Um, you know, but I don't want to. I'll, I'll save. I'll save that for another day because uh, I feel like we're on the same page when it comes yep. to certain things. Um, you know, and uh, but but yeah, it's just it's a it's kind of a downer conversation to have, really. And then you start to you know really despise humanity even more, and then it puts you in a bad mood. So, and that's not what this podcast is. I mean, sometimes it is, but you know what? <laughs> but you know what? Fuck it. Let's do let's do something fun. Tell me about drag queens. <laughs> let's get right into. It. Oh oh oh, Hunty, what do you want to know about drag queens? Um, first off, let me tell you. I don't know if I've ever told you the story about when me and um, Valkyrie were in New York. It was our first vacation, and we were we were shit faced in Times Square, and we're walking walking around, and I look over to where those step like the, you know the famous New York red steps are, and so mm-hmm. I, I grab I grab Valkyrie by her shoulders and I go, she goes what I go, I'm gonna turn you around, but I need you to be calm. There are drag queens behind you, and I turned her around, and it was the um. Colombian drag queen pageant. She oh, oh pageant girls. She lost her, her collective shit and just ran to them. <laughs> and like we we sat like she took pictures, I took pictures. One of them threw their leg on me. I grabbed I grabbed their leg. It was just it was it was a fucking blast. And they were talking makeup and lots of stuff and blah blah blah. And so Maria, he's her name, but Valkyrie's had a not, not that she cares. But Valkyrie's had this love for drag queens forever, and I don't faithfully watch RuPaul's Drag Race, but when it's on, I do find myself watching it, being intrigued by the, the stuff they come up with. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't understand the culture, but I love it, especially when we go to P-Town, and there's like oh, yes. and there's drag karaoke, and just the parades, and everyone's just dressed up, looking their best, and I and love it. So, that was my intro to uh, drag queen and stuff like that. It was all Valkyrie. What was yours? Uh, so, I was introduced to the world of drag um, back in 1994. 
2005, a little film came out starring Patrick Swayze and John Leguizamo and Wesley Snipes called To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. And I was just so enthralled, intrigued. I loved it. They were glamorous. Now, my, my fun fact, we actually just talked about these characters on Throne on Thursday. Um, so I kind of got... I'm sorry, what, you, I, I'm I sorry, what, what did you see? What, what did you um, talk about it on? Uh, on oh oh on this on this little show called Throwdown Thursday. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear about it a few times, but uh, it is a show that I host, and we could talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean back to back to drag queens and their fabulousness. Um, I was just intrigued. You know, my growing up, my mother was uh, Patrick Swayze is her free pass. So I watched all of the Patrick Swayze films. Yeah. You know, I was watching Roadhouse at an age where I probably shouldn't have watched Roadhouse, Dirty Dancing. So, you know, we were watching To Wong Fu because Patrick Swayze was in it. And in the beginning of the film, they're at this pageant and they're ready to announce the winner, crown the winner. And from above, from the rafters, this beautiful, blonde, black, statuesque goddess in this sequined confederate flag gown named Rachel Tensions just drops from the ceiling and she's there and it's RuPaul and I was just done. I'm like, who is this? I need to know everything. And around that time, Supermodel World had come out, um, you know, her, uh, she had a, a talk show with the H1 for a while, co-hosted by Michelle, Michelle Visage who if you watch Dragon Grace, you know exactly who that is. Um, and I was I was hooked. I knew who Divine was before I ever watched a John Waters film. Um, I was just really intrigued by this culture. And then in college, uh, the local, um, the LGBTQ group on campus, I believe they were called like One in 10 Friends, uh, they had, they hosted a drag show and I was like, oh my God, all my friends, I'm like, we, we gots to go. We have gots to go. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my friends were just kind of like, okay, fine, whatever, we'll go, we'll go. And the entire two hours, I just, I lived my best life. Uh, there was this one queen who dressed up as Carol Burnett and from, from Annie and did the little girls act. And she was like acting like she was drunk and she ended up giving a lap dance to my friend who was sitting next to me. And she was just so gorgeous. And I was just like, who are you? I want to be you, take me under your wing. Um, and, and that was it, that was it. And then shortly after that, RuPaul's Drag Race came out and you know now we have the drag phenomenon that you know we see today. So it's just, it's been something that I've been, uh, intrigued with for a long time and in my adult life has just kind of uh, really facilitated that intrigue and like I can't get enough of drag. I love it so much. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Tu Wong Fu. I actually saw that movie in the movie theater with my grandmother. And the really? one, there are two specific scenes that stick in my head. One was Wesley Snipes in the very beginning of the movie putting on um, their costume and him kicking his legs up in the air because he was so excited about the stockings I think he had on. And the very end of it, where um, uh, Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes, like, kind of opened up as John Leguizamo walked out like a fucking queen. Like, just proud of everything yes. that he had become. Yes. And just, like, it, 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 and John Leguizamo is one of the actors, I swear, who never gets the praise 
and, can, and the praise that he, he deserves for being as great as he is. But I remember this, him being like this playing this like really insecure character and then like blossoming before our eyes and then everything with Patrick Swayze. That, that, fuck, I might watch that movie later. I really might watch that movie later. It was, <laughs> but you know what's funny? And, it, I rem- and you bring up RuPaul. I remember seeing RuPaul work. You know, you know what I mean. So like, I remember, oh, yeah. I remember that song, and I didn't understand. My mother was just like, just wants to, just wants to dress like a woman, and it never really like, it didn't really like. I didn't think much of it. Like, you know what I mean? I was because I was super fucking young. I didn't really think anything of it. It just kind of left it as it was. But I remember he was on in your in the house with LL Cool J. And he came on as just his regular persona, like his regular, like without the... Dr- RuPaul without- Charles, yes. RuPaul Charles. I didn't know that was his name. Um, yeah. And then he showed L.O. Cool J her, like, you know, the queen that RuPaul is, the mm-hmm. um, empress <laughs> that RuPaul is. <laughs> and this was around a time where, regrettably, I was living in a place where it was where being gay or drag, being a drag wasn't acceptable, but I will say that was one of the few times in my early life where I remember not really caring about what the person looked like as opposed to, like, what they were doing. And me and Valkyrie have had this conversation a million times about how RuPaul was one of the first people that we can remember who were just, like, really just out and proud and just, and really just, like, it it was, she became, like, this pop culture icon for being whoever they wanted to be. And it's, it, it's, and I don't mean to say it like this, but it's fabulous that, that she really gets just to be herself. And like RuPaul Drag Race is going to be, is going to go down as one of the greatest TV shows ever because people can't get enough of it. And, and it, it reaches past all genres. It's not just women. It's not just the LGBTQ community who know and watch the show. Everybody watches it because RuPaul is just that fucking great. You know, the reason why I love drag so much is because I'm a huge fan of people realizing who they are, realizing their authentic truth, and living their best life. And that's why I, you know, I'm I'm an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, that is a hill that I will die on fighting for their rights. And there's something about drag that is just, I mean, me, I love, uh, I love pretty things. I love <laughs> glamorous things. And that's what drag queens are. But there's so much more than that, too. It's, it's an art. It's, a, it's yes. an expression. And, you know, you touching base on the fact that it's not just gay men dressing up in drag. It's, it's everything. Drag is for everyone. Um, there's also the show called Dragula that has uh, increased in popularity. Um, the fourth season just aired on Shudder. It's more of a horror take on, so think RuPaul's Drag Race, but with a horror edge, hosted by the Boulay brothers, who are absolutely fabulous. And fun fact, they're not actually brothers, they're real life partners, um, but they are, their whole thing is, you know, drag is filth, glamour, and horror, and they really embrace just the entire spectrum that drag is. And 
uh, um, one of the uh, queens from the most recent season, she is a biological female. She considers herself a female impersonator, impersonator. And my favorite part of her is her name, which is Sigourney Beaver. And <laughs> I, right, right. And I just fucking love that so much. I mean, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race just kind of made her story, so to speak, because uh, the first um, straight male was a contestant. His name was Maddie Morphosis. And I he looked name. like some, you know, college rock, Hootie, Hootie and the Blowfish listening, you know, country bumpkin out of drag. But in drag, he's fucking fierce. And he brings a different perspective. And, you know, what he said was, you know, be as as a as you know as a gay person they tell you that there there is no right way to be gay you can express yourself and and do whatever you need to do to find out who you are yeah. but they don't tell you that when you're straight you know there's really only they, they 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 tell you that there's one way to be straight and and that's not the case like that that's not that's not real life you know there there's a spectrum to the lgbtq community but there's also a spectrum to you know the heterosexual community as well and it's something that i don't think it's discussed enough you know i mean we, we we put a label on straight and that's it and we expect you know especially straight men to act a specific way yes and what happens if a straight man is more feminine you know we want to slap a gay label on him but that's that's not always you know that, that that's not always it you know i know in the 90s we had this thing called queer eye for the straight guy and now it's back as just queer eye because they they you know are all encompassing. They don't do it for just one specific gender, but you know queer eye for the straight guy in the '90s coined the term metrosexual, which was you know a man who was more effeminate you know or or what have you. But you know when you're when you're straight, you know people just expect you, especially like I said, men to be a specific way, and it's so much more than that. And that's why you know having a straight man on drag race. A straight man, you know, doing drag, presenting as a woman, but then going home to his girlfriend every night, you know, is so intriguing because it's trying, it, it, it's it's breaking down those barriers and it's creating conversations that need to be had. Yeah, it's and you know it's funny you bring up like the so like the uh, the uh, the norms or the social norms when it comes to being like straight or something like that. Well, let's, let's take pegging for example. And someone will go, yo, that's gay. You want a, like a woman to be behind you and fuck you and da 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 da. Just like, why don't you just let a dude do it? Because like, I don't, I'm like, man, I just would rather a woman do it. Not me per se, but that's what a person could be saying. It's just like, I don't like men, but I like my butthole played with. So therefore, I I found a woman who's okay with me doing it. And that's it. Is like it is that automatically makes them gay. Where it's like, nah, that's not necessarily the case because, like you said, there's spectrum to everything, which is. Which is kind of cool that the uh, LGBTQ plus community has picked the rainbow um, for their uh, movement and for their flag because it really does come and like everything in life really is just a spectrum of what we are and and it's never nothing is ever as black and white as everything. Some things are some things are gray, some things are red, some things are yellow. Like you know what I mean? So uh, Superwork said something kind of funny, not funny, haha, but something kind of interesting uh, about a year ago where he said. If it wasn't for certain things in life, he said he felt that like everybody would be pansexual because a lot of these norms wouldn't exist if they weren't created in order to control people. And I kind of agree. Like I'm a straight man who can see another man and go, oh, they're handsome. Oh, they're good looking. Do I want to fuck them? No. 
just not my thing. But I can look at that and say, like, oh, this is an attractive man. Like, you know what I mean? And to some people, like, yo, that's gay. I'm like, like what, admiring something that looks good? Like, that makes him gay? Like, look at, um, we, <laughs> we just, me, uh, me and Valkyrie watched the latest season of uh, Tyra Banks' um, fuck. Uh, next, uh, next Top Model. And there was a deaf dude on it. I'm like, damn, he's a good-looking dude. <laughs> Niall Demarco. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I was like, I was like, yep. like he's a, I was like, he's a very attractive dude, and I can say that confidently without wondering anybody because it's like I, don't, I also don't really give a shit either. But, but again, like trying to imagine trying to do this, me trying to do this 25 years ago and have this conversation may have been different. I may have been given a label as opposed to now. It was just like give me a label. I don't really give a shit. Um, but like there was also a lot of fear when you're younger and you just don't and you're trying you're, you're trying to fit in you don't even really know yourself yet so it's it's a different time and i'm actually something i attribute the generation under us for is they just don't give a shit but you know i kind of piggybacking on on what you said um you know i have this theory that everyone's a little queer some are just more queer than others and you know I don't necessarily feel that I need to put a label on my queerness, but I understand why some people do, and I, I understand, you know, I respect that. Um, the Gen Z generation, because I'm assuming you're a millennial like me, an elder millennial, so to speak. Yeah, an elder um, millennial, yes. You know, uh, which which I love the term elder millennial because uh, it makes me feel like an elder uh, elder god. Oh, we, are the, we, are the, we are the elder gods of the millennials. Um, so next time you think somebody's calling you old when they called you an elder, calling you an elder millennial, uh, fuck them. You are, you are an elder God. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, I have this, I have this theory that, you know, everyone's a little queer. Um, the Gen Z generation, they are coming up with new labels almost by the minute, you know, and I love them for that. I love them that, you know, that they're, they're trying to, they're, they're so accepting, that they're trying to find a word for for everything. Um, I don't necessarily think that there needs to be, but if that's how they feel, you know, if that's how they feel like they need to handle things in order for acceptance to happen, then you know, I'm I'm all I'm all I'm all for it. I'm all for it. If you feel like you need to label yourself a specific way in order to understand yourself, your inner workings, how you are, you know, how you express yourself, like, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, me, I'm just, per, I'm, I'm, I label myself as fabulous. You know, I wish, I wish, you know, the, 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 the F box that I check off, male, female, no, the F, the F stands for fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I can, I can actually understand that. And it, it comes to one of those things where I don't really necessarily like labels with everything, but I also understand that some people may either need or want a label. Um, I work with a non-binary person who's really helped me understand a lot of things, and I and I thank them every time. They they send me something funny, or they or like they say, hey, can you take a look at this? Or hey, did you know this? And so it helps me a lot. Uh, they put me on to Shira <laughs> on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. God, I love that damn show. And then someone said, this is the funniest shit ever. Someone was like, "You uh, they go, someone said, hey, let's do She-Ra, but with lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the show so damn much because it wasn't just a, 
like you know there's always you know there's a few few people out there oh the gay agenda and like shut the fuck up just enjoy the damn show but i like the how much representation there was there was non-binary characters there was gay characters there were straight characters they were like it was just it it really brought in like everybody of every size shape skin color sexual orientation and it was just an idea of like love from episode one to the final episode i think season six and it was absolutely fantastic and i think that everybody should watch it anyway um so before we move on to the next topic i have a question for you who is your favorite drag queen other than rupaul you can't say rupaul oh god i have to pick just one i'll give you three. Oh, oh, fuck me only three five um, <laughs> you want five <laughs> god damn it um okay you know i'm, I'm gonna give you um okay uh, i'm gonna put this way um, aside from RuPaul and I'm going to throw Divine in there too, aside from RuPaul and Divine, because though those two are really just kind of upper, upper echelon, you really can't touch them, like for who they are and what they've done for, for drag. Um, you know, oh God, this is such a loaded question. Um, how much time do we have? Right. No, um, I'm going to have to say, uh, the Boulay brothers are at the top of my list. If you have not seen Dragula, I highly suggest oh, Hold on, real, hold on real quick, Ashes. Um, what was the name of that drag queen we saw in um, P-Town? Oh, I can't think of her name right now. I'm sorry. Oh, because we were talking drag queens, and um, I want, I was going to ask you to tell the story about how she was hitting on me until you gave her the stink eye. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't remember which season she was on either. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. But you remember? Okay. Do you remember the hair color? She is Asian, brown hair. If you say her name, I'll know. Um, okay. Asian? Uh, Manila? No, she was Asian. No, it wasn't Manila. Like, maybe Filipino. She was... I can't think of her name. It's going to kill me. I should know this. <laughs> um, how long ago was Ta it? Was it Taj? Raja? Raja, thank you. Raja. <laughs> Raja, there we go. That was it. It took me a minute. So we she won season three of Drag Race. Yes. And then she, I fucked the shit out of my husband while we were in P-Town. Like, hardcore. Like, everybody around noticed. Like, I'm like. Congra wow, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and, and my niece was like, you're going to have to fight for your husband. And I was like, I mean, I might just let her win. <laughs> <laughs> I can't beat that. <laughs> I had, I'm, just, I'm glad I just had to, to, to share that story with you because I was like, uh, Maria, I'm getting hit on. <laughs> like, it was funny because, like, it was, it was like eye contact the entire, the entire show. I'm like, uh, I think I'm being hit on. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, it was actually my first drag, um, drag show. And it was fucking fantastic. So, I took Patrick to his first drag show last year. Um, so he's kind of like you, uh, he doesn't religiously watch Drag Race or Dragula or whatever. Um, but if it's on and he's in the room, like, you know, he, he likes it. He likes it. He's, he's very enthusiastic. Um, you know, he appreciates it. He, he has his favorite Queens. Uh, but I took him to his first, it was, um, a drive-in drag show. So they had the stage, it, it was set up in a, in a parking lot of a shopping center. And they had this huge stage with these big monitors and everything so you could see. And you literally, like, drove, it was it was a drive-in. You drove your car in, 
and you know you could stand outside you could set up lawn chairs or whatever um and you you watched the show and it was it was fabulous oh i thought i was living my best life i look over and patrick was just like he just he he was he was living his best life let me tell you your first drag like every i feel like every man's first drag show is like a special like event because you're just like this is the coolest shit ever like he it was just you know the, the costumes and the choreography and uh you just 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 everything the overall aesthetic you know i mean there was one girl who had this trident that she set on fire because she could because she was outside um you know so she did this whole like fire spitting thing oh she was just yeah, exactly. I mean, it, Violet Chachki does this whole burlesque act, and she gets into some of the classic stuff, including fire breathing. And she was just incredible. And she has this teeny, teeny, tiny waist because she is corseted for the gods. And, I mean, he was just, he was all over himself. He even, uh, we went up to the merch table. He bought himself a rosé shirt. That's a queen. Uh, she usually wears pink and stuff. Um, he was just, he, was, he just, I mean, he was just living his best life to the nth degree, um, to the point where we're actually going to another drag show. It's the Dragula uh, show in May, and he keeps saying, he's like, when is the show? When, when is the show? And I got his VIP tickets, too, so we're going to be able to meet some of the queens and get the do the whole photo ops and stuff like that. Uh, he's really excited. So um, it's it's nice to have a partner who may not uh, be as into it as much as I am, but is very enthusiastic about it. We went to, we were in Vegas. You brought up burlesque. We went to the zombie burlesque show in Vegas. Mm. And it was, oh my God, like I, I want to go back and watch it again. It was, the host was fantastic. The acts were fantastic. Um and the, during the, um, the intermission, they were giving out free Jello shots. And then, when it, but before the Jello shots came out, it was a box of Jello, and somebody in a box of Jello costume and someone in a bottle of vodka costume, and they like were just essentially fucking on stage. And then mm-hmm. the Jello shots came out. I was like, "Hey, if you want to know how Jello shots are made," and I was like, "Oh, that's cr- <laughs> <laughs> so." So we're and so uh, before we move on to the next subject. Uh, this, this crap. Uh, you should know well enough to know that I, I really have no fucking shame. So, in the middle of the show, the host goes, does any guy here have a name for their penis? And I go, I do. And he goes, who's that? I'm like, oh shit, he called, called me on. <laughs> he goes, who's that? And I go, oh, me. He goes, stand up. He goes, okay. He goes, hey, what do you, he goes, you have a name for your penis? He goes, yes. He goes, what do you call it? I go, oh, the hammer of Thor. And then Maria, drug as hell, goes, he does! <laughs> And so and he just busts out laughing, and then like every like like five minutes later, he goes, "I mean, it's no hammer of Thor." And I was just like, this motherfucker. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I cannot wait to go back to Vegas because I really want to go back to the Zombie Burlesque show. Was so fucking dope, and it was just contortionist, and I, contortionist like just the body movement is like it's so like creepy, but so cool watching this guy do this stuff in such rhythm, like the way he was moving his head to the beat and like shaping his body. And even though like you're like, oh, 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 you can't stop watching because it's so damn dope. <sighs> There's one place I haven't been and I need to go. Vegas. I've, I've never been to Vegas. That shocks me. I feel like you would love 
I feel like you'd love and hate Vegas all at once. I think you would love Vegas for everything that it is, like the bright lights and the um, the art, the shows, and all that. But a lot of the people there are fucking assholes. <laughs> like they just. It, but you know what's funny about it is, it's not as bad as New York though. Like, people won't just bump into you and that's that. Like, you know what I mean? It's It can get kind of weird when people are drunk, but for the most part, Vegas is Vegas is fun. Vegas is absolutely... I've been twice. Uh, the next time I go, me and Valkyrie go, I, think, and I know the next time we go, we'll either be going by ourselves or we'll be, we'll be going with people that we know we can have a good time with. Mm-hmm. And, like, but Vegas is... Oh, Vegas is so much fun. Like, just the walking... The drinking, the eating, the people watching. Oh, the people watching. Vegas, Vegas is fun. If if we could if we could set up a, a double date Vegas trip, I would I would absolutely freaking love it. Oh, I would go to Vegas with you guys. We would have a blast. Yeah, we would. Yeah, we absolutely would. Damn it, Wade.